You guys ever just drive down the road and see on some restaurant or business's marquee under new management? Right? That's supposed to mean something to you. It means oftentimes, hey, we realize that we're absolutely terrible before this point. But now we're under new management and all that stuff has changed. It's supposed to inspire within you hope, right? Like maybe you'll give the place a second chance. So you decide, hey, I'm gonna, we'll give this place a second chance. You go in, you, you sit down, uh, let's say it's a restaurant to eat, and you realize it's the same crappy service you've always had. Uh, the food is still awful, and the place is still dirty. And you begin to understand that literally the only change that took place is that this business put under new management on their sign. See, when we see that, we're supposed to see a change. There's supposed to be a difference. As people, when we put our faith in Christ, we come under new management. There's supposed to be a change in us. There's supposed to be a difference. We've been talking up to this point about really what it looks like to put faith in Christ, and we've talked about circumcision and baptism and how baptism is the new circumcision, how we should make t-shirts. I think they should put it on the Starbucks cup. Um, but, you know, that's just my idea. We've got to talk a little bit about what we've, we've talked about so far. So just real quickly, Colossians 2, 12 through 14. Like my table, by the way? Me too. It says, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all of us our sins, having canceled that charge of our legal indebtedness, and stood that which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Okay, sin equals death. That's just how the equation works. Romans 6.23, the first part, says the wages of sin is death. So we know that sin is death. And we talked about circumcision. Circumcision was that divine blessing. It was the Jewish connection to God. It was saying that, hey, we are Jews. We are God's people. We are also in pain. That's what it was saying. And so when we look at this passage and it talks about the uncircumcision of our flesh, it's literally talking about our separation from God. Here's the beauty of what we've talked about up to this point in this series. While we were still dead and separated from God, Jesus brought us to life. And he canceled, remember we talked about that certificate of death that was hanging over our heads. That talked about all the crappy stuff that we've done. And Jesus canceled that out by literally nailing it to a cross. And we did a representation of that where we literally wrote our sins down and we nailed it to the cross because that's what Jesus did for us. So we get to this point and we understand that after paying our debt, we have a new life, right? Romans 6.23, the last half says, but the gift of God is eternal life. So we go from death to life. And here is where we begin. We're at, the, that's our foundation. So if we go to Colossians chapter 3 and we look at verses 1 through 4, it says this, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. These verses have four implications for us. Okay, verse 1. 
says that we have been raised with Christ. We literally have that new position where we are with Christ, standing next to Christ. That means we get to participate in the life of Christ and we get to um, um, stand with Christ. No longer do we have to be slaves to sin. But now we get to be masters of it, right? Because when Jesus died, he conquered sin. And if we are raised with Christ, that means we get to conquer sin as well. That should give you tremendous hope. That should give you tremendous hope. Because no longer do you have to struggle with sin alone. You've got a pretty awesome partner in that in Jesus, who, by the way, already kicked sin's butt once. And then if we look at verse 2, it goes on to say that we're to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. Things above. What does that mean? Does that mean that we don't have any earthly responsibility any longer? Does that mean that we have no earthly care? No, not at all. Not at all. See, because you still have to pay bills. You still have to worry about your health and your family and make sure that they have food and shelter and all their basic needs. God understands that. It's not saying that we don't have any earthly focus. What it is saying is that at the top of the list of the things that we focus on is Jesus. Big, bold, underlined, italicized, it's Jesus. Our focus changes. Okay? It's not don't mess up, don't mess up, don't mess up. That's not the case. So many of us look at sin like it's this thing we trip over. And, and our whole focus is I can't mess up, I can't screw up, I can't do that again. And it overwhelms us and we fail and we start to beat ourselves up and we wonder why can't I be any better? But the focus isn't those, don't mess up, it's be like Jesus. Be like Jesus, be like Jesus, be like Jesus. In any situation you come across, you should be thinking, what would Jesus do? That's the literal focus. What would Jesus do? So we go on to verse 3, and verse 3 tells us that for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. We have a new life. We died, Christ lives, we live in Christ. It doesn't get much better than that. It doesn't get much more perfect than that. We live through the Holy One, who's the Son of God. We live in Jesus. I came up with this answer in Sunday school um, about sixth grade. And it's like brilliant piece of philosophy, okay? Like if I had a manifesto, this would be it. It would be like a huge leather book, nothing else written inside until you turned like right to the middle page. And right there it would say, Jesus is a filter. I know, let it sink in. Literally, it was my answer to every question. It's like, Paul, how are you doing today? I was Sunday school, not paying. Jesus is a filter, you know? It kind of works. But we have to understand that Jesus truly is our filter for God, right? Think about this. Here we are, this disgusting, dirty air. We're, We're talking about furnaces now. And we're blowing up, and here we come through this furnace And once we come to the other side of the filter, we're clean, we're fresh, we're ready to heat or cool the home, right? God sees us through the filter of Jesus. No longer does he see your sin, your wickedness, your dirtiness, your mess-ups, your screw-ups. But he sees perfection because of the perfection that was Jesus and the fact that Jesus loved you so much that he nailed your certificate of debt to the cross and completely got rid of it. When God views us through Jesus... He doesn't see yellow snow. He sees fresh powder. Right? Think about that. The next day you wake up in the morning and it's perfect. 
It looks fluffy. You just want to like roll around in it. It looks like you could lay on it. And then you let your dog outside and you come back and... It's just kind of like, well, at least he learned to spell his name. That's cool. Right? But Jesus doesn't see that imperfection. He now sees a brand new creation. Verse 4 goes on to tell us that when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. We have a new hope. Christ gives us a new hope. What's more hopeless than death? Anything? I mean, when we think of death, we think of the end, we think of darkness, we think of despair, we think of pain. Death is not our idea of a fun time. But when we put our faith in Jesus, we have the hope of an eternal life. We get to appear with Him in glory at the right hand of the Father. If you can tell me something that gives you more hope than that, please do, because I want some of it. Fact of the matter is, when we put our faith in Jesus, these four things happen for us instantaneously. Okay? We have a new position with Jesus. We have a new focus to be like Jesus. We have a new life, no longer trapped by the sin of old. We have a new hope, an eternal resting place with our Father. The good news is that while these four things are instantaneous and these four things change for us almost automatically, we don't have to. We don't have to. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10 through 17. And having put on the new self, which is being renewed, in the knowledge of the image of its creator, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of the body, of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. When we put our faith in Jesus, we take off death, right? That's what we see in verses uh, 9 and 10. We take off death. Well, when you take off death, you have to put something something else back on. Otherwise, you're going to be naked. And I'm willing to bet that most of you don't want to see me naked. Probably. Thank you, Dave. Scott's back there shaking his head no because he says he does, but he's a creep, so we're we're okay with that. And it goes on to tell us in these verses that we put on our new self, which is being renewed. There's so much power and so much love in these verses. Right? The words is being lets us know that it's a continuous process. It doesn't say having been or once you get there. It says is being renewed. It's an ongoing process. We don't have to be perfect to go to Jesus. That's what a lot of us think, right? That we have to get to a certain point like there's some Jesus ruler and once we hit that notch, then we can go to Jesus. And it's just not that way. 
We don't change overnight. It's a process. And remember that God brings us to life while we are still dead. Something I want you to hold on today if you get nothing else. We don't have to be ready for Christ to accept us. We just have to be willing to accept Christ. You understand that? We don't have to be ready for Christ to accept us. We just have to be willing to accept Christ at any point in your life, wherever that may be. See, we all have different starting points, but in Christ, we're one body, we're one group, we are united. Verse 11 goes on to teach us that there is no difference among us, okay? It says, here, there is no Gentile, Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Right? I don't care if you're black, green, blue, or orange. I want all my defensive players on this side and all my offensive players on this side. And if you completely understand that reference to Remember the Titans, we just became best friends. The thing is, God doesn't care about who you are, what you are, where you're from, what you've done. It's a it, Backstreet Boys in sync. It's one of those two songs. As long as you love me. I would have totally broke it out if I thought about that before just this point. <laughs> Choreographed dance and all, I promise. See, he doesn't care because we are all the same. And we need to see each other as all the same. We need to see each other as all the same, regardless of what we think about a person, where they come from, what they might done. Jesus looks at us as the same, so we look at everybody else as the same. None of us have arrived, and that's good news. See, the end goal is to reflect Jesus, but we have to understand that it takes time for us to get there. It takes time for us to get there. God loves all people. He loves bikers. He loves drug dealers. He loves strippers. He likes bookworms. He loves teachers. He even loves Democrats. Nailed it. Got one. <laughs> yeah. See what I'm saying? That was perfect. He loves everybody, regardless of standing. And so, we have to understand that as we dwell in Jesus and we are, to becoming, we are to become more like Jesus, we have to become more open and loving to all people. Verse 12 goes on to tell us, Paul tells us exactly what we are supposed to start to look like when we put on Jesus, when we clothe ourselves in Jesus' cloak of righteousness. Notice that these aren't rules that we follow, but characteristics of what we act like. He goes on to say, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, close your... Clothe yourselves with compassion. Right? Compassion means that we feel for others. And I don't just mean feel bad for others. I don't mean we see a bad situation and we think, oh man, that sucks. I mean that we have true empathy, that we're able to put ourselves in those situations and hurt because we know those people are hurting. He goes on to tell us that we clothe ourselves in kindness. This is spirit-imparted goodness. It's not about obligation, right? We're good not because we have to be, but because Jesus is. And our focus is be like Jesus. That comes from dwelling and living in the Son of God, in Jesus. And we're supposed to put on humility. See, this is what helps. One of the things that helps with the fact that we all come from different backgrounds, different families, different ethnic groups. 
is that we are supposed to be humble. And humbleness says that we have the right view of God, other people, and ourselves. When we think of humbleness, this is how it goes. God is the pinnacle. That's what we want to be. Other people aren't perfect, and we are the worst among them. If you can have that view, if you can have that view, you're going to get this right really quick. God's the pinnacle. That's what we all want to be like. Other people aren't perfect, and we're the worst among them. See, you never know what someone else is going through, what someone else has, has been through, what has happened to that person, but you know what's happened to you, you know what you've done, and you know that you've sinned. And so if you can see it, hey, I'm the sinner. And yes, they've sinned too, but I've done some pretty awful things. We're all the same to Jesus. We all come to the same Jesus. We're all forgiven by the same Jesus. We all live in the same Jesus. And we all get to put on the same cloak of righteousness provided by Jesus' death on a cross. It goes on to say in verse 12 that we're supposed to clothe ourselves in gentleness. Being gentle requires that we would rather suffer than cause suffering. You hear me? That we would rather suffer than cause suffering. Sometimes it means doing the hard thing and not the thing you want to do. Sometimes it means thinking before you speak, something I'm not very good at. But we're to be gentle like Jesus was gentle. Remember that He never condemned pretty much almost anyone except for sometimes the Pharisees for what they had done. But when he met the woman at the well, he loved her. And he told her not to sin anymore, and he told her to move on and get over it. But he didn't say, you're going to hell. And when the Pharisees brought the prostitute before him, and, or the woman who had committed adultery before him, and says, hey, the law says that we, we stone her. We're supposed to kill her. And he bends down and he draws the line in the sand. He didn't say, step right up and take aim. Right? He said, the first one who's without sin, cross this line. So how do you treat people? How are you approaching people? We're also supposed to clothe ourselves in patience. And this isn't just like patience in traffic, okay? It's not like I'm not going to honk my horn when I want to or this idiot cut me off and I'm going to break instead of riding his tail. This is talking about patience in life. This is about understanding that God has a plan for you and He's got you right where you need to be, right when you're there, because He's doing something in your life. See, we're constantly being worked to the point where we can reflect Jesus. We're constantly be working to that point. And so instead of having a negative view about where you're at and thinking, man, I cannot wait to get out of here, find a way to love the place you're in. Learn from it, grow from it, Continue to move towards the ultimate goal. Understand that these are the characteristics of a Christian. These are what Jesus wants us to be like. And he goes on to tell us to bear with one another. Right? Bear with one another. Has the inclination of longevity. It means that we don't give up. Again, going back to the idea that we're all from different backgrounds, we're all from different families. We all have different moms who raise us different ways to believe different things. And so, sometimes we're going to have to bear with others. And we're going to have to understand that that person is not like me. They didn't grow up like me. 
But that doesn't mean that I give up on them. That means that I bear with them because it goes on to tell us after this that we are to love above all things. To love above all things. And here's the thing about love. If you love, it encompasses everything else. If you love the desire to be humble and kind and compassionate and gentle and patient, it will be there. It will be there. And as we clothe ourselves in the character of Jesus, Paul tells us that we're supposed to look like Jesus. No, I don't mean wear man dresses and grow a beard. But how do you approach life? How do you approach people? How do you approach tough situations? If you're under new management, if you put your faith in Jesus, we're supposed to see a difference. And that goes for all of us. We're supposed to see a difference. Here's the thing. As we're becoming more like Jesus, we're dealing with a world that is becoming less like Jesus. And it's hard. It's tough. There are large groups of people out there in the world that just want to kill Christians. They happen to want to kill everybody else, but they celebrate the death of Christians. It's not easy to work in a workplace where you're surrounded by people who think you're a moron because you believe that God created the earth. You know, I had a girl at work tell me the other day when we were talking about a matter of faith and she kind of stung me a little bit and I wish that I would have like been mature enough and, and man enough and quick enough to respond to her. But she said something, we were talking about forgiveness and she's like, well, isn't all you have to do say sorry? And I just kind of shut down. I didn't say anything. But man, how I wish I would have been like, actually, yes. Yes, that's, that's, that's what you have to do. You have to say sorry. You have to put your faith in God and realize that, hey, to this point, I have not been living my life the way that Jesus would. And I've been ruled by earthly desires and earthly focuses, and that is not what Christ wants out of me. The beauty of Christ is, He doesn't want anything from you. He just wants you to love. Love people, love Him, try to be more like Him. There's not some penance we have to pay. Right? There's not some four installment plan at $27.95. Jesus just says, if you put your faith in me, it's gone. I nailed it to the cross. And when Jesus was buried, our sin was buried with him. But when Jesus rose from the grave, our sin was left down in the grave. See, John 14, 27 tells us this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. Where the world gives worry, Jesus gives you rest. In the final verses of our passage, it talks about celebration. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through songs, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks 
to God the Father through him. When you put your celebration, when you put your celebration, when you put your faith in Jesus, it's a celebration. Because you get to experience what it's like to be fully alive. Fully alive. Celebrate because Jesus forgave you. Celebrate because he gave you a new focus. Because he gave you a new position. Because he said, today, if you just apologize, you get to stand with me in glory. And I will give you peace like you have never known. So many people out there in the world are searching for something. What they need is Jesus. As Crosspoint Fellowship, give them Jesus. In their day-to-day, give them Jesus. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for who you are as a God who loves us so much that you gave us a way out, that you gave us a way to find forgiveness, Lord. You love us. And Jesus loves us. And Jesus went to the cross for us, to die for us, to, to take our certificate of debt and nail it to the cross and say that that does not have to hang over your head any longer. He told us in that that he loves us. He told us in that that we are new. Our past no longer matters. Whether that be 10 years or 5 minutes ago, Lord, it does not matter. You've brought new life. You've brought a new purpose. You've given us a new focus. And Lord, I pray that we take that as we put our faith in you and we think in all situations about what you would do. Lord, I pray that as Crosspoint Fellowship on a daily basis, that we show our community and we show our world love. That we show them what you look like. That as we have these opportunities to serve through the Pregnancy Care Center, and through Nightlight, Lord, we look at that as an opportunity to show those people that you love them. So that maybe, just maybe, we can stream people who are not fans of you to you to be in a relationship with you. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here today, right now, in this moment, that doesn't know you, that hasn't put their faith in you, Lord, that they think about doing that, that they talk with one of us in the back about doing that, because they will experience something that they have never known. True peace. So Lord, as we finish out our time and we worship you and we thank you and we praise you for for what you've done, mold our hearts, work us so that we can reflect the image of God. So that we can show a world that has despair and pain and anguish that there's a different way. In your son's name I pray, amen.